You ready for some church today? I'm so glad we get to be together for church. Um, we got some staff here in the room and church family. I can't wait till we get the green light to open up these buildings and do church with everybody the way we the way we love to do. Man, we miss you and we love you. I want to say hi to the thousands of locations joining us all around the world. And, and at everyone, whether it's your bedroom, your living room, your kitchen, a treadmill, a car, an office, wherever you're at, can you help me in saying hello to, I'm, I'm just, I'm a little, um, I'm a little partial to three particular locations. We call them God Behind Bars locations. God Behind Bars, we love you so much. Men and women, we believe in you. You're every bit as much a part of this church family as those of us here in the room. Thank you for joining. Hey, let's pray. God, I thank you for this time that we get to be together. I pray that you remind every single one of us it is not the presence of a building that changes our lives, but the presence of our God that changes our lives. And no matter where we're watching or listening to this from, you are with us right now, ready to speak, ready to encourage, ready to equip, ready to challenge ready to take us to a whole new level of peace, joy, and purpose. And we believe it and we claim it in Jesus' name. And everybody at every location said, amen, amen, amen. You can have a seat here in the room. We're in this teaching series called Kingdom Culture. It is swagalicious. Get on, do we have any more left? Hit the online store. We got some stuff left. We got sweatshirts, hoodies, shorts, socks. We got it all. So hit the online store. Um, let's break it down real quick. Kingdom. Jesus said, that's the reason I came. I came from heaven to earth to bring the kingdom with me. He said it like this in Luke 4. He said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. That's why I was sent. He said, I came from heaven to be with you on earth because I'm bringing the kingdom with me. And he said, the whole things of this whole trip of mine, he said, it was about good news. And listen, I know we got a lot of things that are frustrating in the world right now and feel like bad news, right? We've, we've got pol a political divide that's just crazy in this country, especially, right? And, and, and we got people way over here. We got people way over here. We got these people mad at these people. And depending on what news channel you watch, you're going to get all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and we've got racial tension. And we know as a country, like, we've just got to do better. We've got to work towards racial restoration and healing in our country. And we got a lot of work to do there. And then just, just throw in a worldwide pandemic on top of it. Like, we've got a lot of things to to sort of be angry and frustrated and complain about, but can we remember Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth to bring the kingdom, and he brought some real good news with him, and we could be grateful about that today. In the midst of everything else, we can be grateful that Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay the price for our sins, and today we don't have to earn it. We don't have to deserve it. You don't have to be good enough for it. You don't have to have done enough spiritual activities to get it. We just get to receive his forgiveness and salvation. And when we do, his spirit begins to live inside of us, and it allows us to do things in this world we never thought we could, and we get heaven forever. Jesus said, I'm bringing some good news from heaven to earth. I'm bringing the kingdom. He said, that's why I came. 
And culture, I've heard culture defined like this. It's a specific way of walking and talking. And so we started saying at the beginning of this series, our goal as a church family, our goal as Christ followers should be we're going to walk and talk with the kingdom of heaven in mind so much so that we begin to create a kingdom culture on earth, right? I put my faith in Jesus. His spirit lives within me. It begins to change me from the inside out. Now, everywhere I go, I don't get changed by the culture that I enter. I change the culture everywhere I go. I bring a kingdom culture with me. I bring it to work. I bring it to school. I bring it to practice. I bring it to dinner. I bring it to the family. I bring it to the neighborhood. Wherever I go, I'm not going to go and be changed by the culture there. I'm bringing a culture with me that's going to create a change where I go. It's the difference between, and I've heard this for a long time, it's the difference between a, a thermometer and a thermostat, right? A thermometer, and only in 2020 would we think they all have handles and triggers. A thermometer, all it can do is just describe the temperature. But a thermostat says, no, no, no. Every single room I'm connected to, I get to decide the temperature of that room. I change the temperature everywhere I go, and that's what we do as Christ followers. We're not, we're not supposed to let culture bring us down. We're supposed to elevate the culture around us because of the peace of the kingdom that we have inside of us. Paul says this. He's got a bunch of friends at this church in Rome, and he's talking to them about kingdom culture stuff. They didn't quite have the swag lineup that we have, but he's talking to them about kingdom culture. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God, help, God helping you. You can't do this stuff on your own. And, and especially this kingdom culture stuff, it doesn't come natural. It feels so upside down. So, so he says, God's going to help you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. I'm going to look at the way I walk, the way I talk. Today, we're going to talk about the way I post. I'm going to look at the way I walk and talk and post, and I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to embrace what God does for me. Embrace, for what, em, embrace what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Stop trying to perform for God and just embrace his good news. Embrace his goodness. It's the best gift you could give your heavenly father today. Don't become, here it is, so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. See, on autopilot, that's what will happen. I'll go into a room and I'll let that temperature become my temperature. Paul says, be careful. That's what happens on autopilot. You just walk into a space and whatever the culture is, you just try to adapt to stay comfortable. He said, no, no, that's not how we live. We're not thermometers. We're thermostats. We're going to set the temperature. We're going to set the focus. We're going we're to build the culture in the rooms we go into. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, we're going to focus on God, fix your attention on God, embrace it. Oh, whoop, whoop, there we go. You'll be changed from the inside out. We just talked about that. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, it's going to drag you down to its level of immaturity. God will bring the best out of you, and he'll develop a well-formed maturity inside of you. That's what it is right there. That's kingdom culture talk that Paul was talking to his friends about. We're going to be the kind of people that we walk and we talk and we post so much with heaven in mind that I'm going to create a kingdom culture everywhere I go. Right? Amen? You guys with me? That's what we're talking about in this series. It's okay to clap. Those of you in this room, I wouldn't be mad at you. 
Oh, you're still not going to do it? Okay. No, 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 forget you. Forget you too, Ronnie. So here's the deal. Here's what I want to talk about today. I, I don't know if I'm going to fully be able to articulate what I want to get out today, but my prayer has been that what's on my heart is going to connect with your heart today. There, there, there's two cultures at war right now for every one of our lives, and the truth is every one of us will get to decide which one we promote. There's a, there's a Earth 2020 culture, and there's a kingdom culture, and they're both vying for our attention, and we get to choose which one we're a part of. We get to choose which one we bring attention to. We get to choose which one we shine a light on, okay? And, and Earth 2020 culture, I don't have to describe it for you, but I'll just talk about it a little bit so we all know what we're talking about, but you see it every single day. Earth 2020 culture, when it comes to how I walk and talk and post, is real simple. If I disagree with, with, if I disagree with you, you're dead to me. I don't want nothing to do with you. If we disagree on politics, I'm going to demean you publicly. I'm going to insult you publicly. I'm going to get on social media, and I'm going to mock you, and I'm going to make fun of you, and I'm going to make little witty comments. I'm going to try to destroy you publicly because we're not on the same page. We disagree. I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. I'm this. I'm that. You're that. Can't do it. And there's this social tension in our world right now, and, and, and some people are saying, well, like I would say, black lives matter. And you would say, no, 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 all lives matter. And then someone else would say, no, 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 blue lives matter. And then all we do is if, if I disagree or you disagree or we disagree, then we just can't, we can't be together. And we just keep putting more and more space between us. And we keep insulting each other and talking bad about each other. And then there's this worldwide pandemic. And some say, let's close all the buildings and everybody gets masks and it's all important and it's a real deal and need the vaccine. And then there's others who say, I'm not taking the vaccine. And that's got to be a conspiracy theory. And that's just the government. And we need to fight against the man. And, we need, and everybody disagrees on what we ought to do. And if I disagree with you, well, then let's just put more division in between us. And every time I sit down at dinner with my friends and my family, people who agree with me, we'll spend the majority of our meal talking bad and judging people who disagree with us. That's Earth 2020 culture. We'll hit that stride on autopilot. And I'll comment on your post, and then you comment on my post, and I'll fight back. That's Earth 2020 culture, right? And then Jesus comes along and he says, I'm building a culture around the kingdom of heaven, and it's gonna look different. I'm not building a culture where, where, where we see who's the best at insults and witty comments that insult, that, that, that put other people down and demean and humiliate and judge. That, that's not the culture I'm building. He says, my culture, we're going to change the world. We're going to go about it a different way. We're not going to change the world by being the best at arguing. We're not going to change the world by being the best at mocking. We're not going to change the world by being the best at judging. We're going to be the, we're going to change the world by being the best at loving. That's what he said. And everybody that heard it had to be like, wait, what? He said, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciple if you love one another. Not they're going to know you're with me because of how good you sing, because of how good you talk, because of how good you post, because of how good you argue, because of how good you troll. They're going to know that you're with me because of the way you love everybody, even those you disagree with. 
And I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not trying to preach at you, church. This message is maybe more for me than anybody a part of this church family. On autopilot, my, my natural, apart from Jesus instinct is we disagree. You said what? Let's fight. Like, that's just, that's just how I was raised. That's everything I know. That's, that's, that's the emotions that I have to fight against. And Jesus comes and says, no, I'm building a kingdom built on the opposite. We don't lead with insults and judgment. We lead with love. And he said, and we're going to change the world this way. And it doesn't feel right when you hear it. And I want to ask you to, to, to ask yourself the same question I've been asking myself all week. If somebody had overheard me for the last month at dinner with the people who agree with me, talking about the people I disagree with, would they have went, listen to the way he loves people that he disagrees with. He must be with Jesus. If somebody were to get on my social media account and look at the posts that I've made for the last month and look at the comments that I've made on posts of, that I disagree with for the last month, would they say, that guy must be with Jesus because look at the way he loves people he doesn't even agree with. Or would they read your posts where you just make a habit of insulting people who disagree with you and publicly humiliating and shaming and trying to destroy people who disagree with you? And then would they read your Instagram handle and go, Jesus, Princess 47? <laughs> what? <laughs> if that's your actual handle, there probably is one. <laughs> Dear Lord, forgive me, and I'm not judging you. Jesus, Princess, I, God loves you. Would somebody look at your posts and your comments and the way you've talked about everybody you disagree with on all the current hot topics? And would they then find out you're a part of a church and go, figures. That to me is way more tragic than what? Figures. Those church people love to talk, don't they? Love to judge. Passive aggressive, love to insult, love to sit in their ivory tower. It's not how we're supposed to be known. We're supposed to be an army of people that are so good at loving, even the people that passionately disagree with us on our most passionate subjects and topics, that people look at us and go, he must be with Jesus. She must be with Jesus. I better lean into that. If you have a Bible, would you flip open to Luke chapter 10? If it's on your phone, open it up. I really want you to read along today. I'll be reading in the NIV in case yours is different. The message today is called 2020. What do I do, say, and post? I think that's the million dollar question right now. In fact, we were sitting in this room recently in a staff meeting and a good friend of mine asked that very question. It's like, man, this world's crazy. And, and political stuff, I mean, everybody's divided. And racial stuff, everybody's divided. And pandemic stuff, everybody's divided. He's like, and, and people say and do crazy things, and I don't know how to respond. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. He's like, Sean, what should I post? And as soon as he asked me the question, I'm like, man, that's a question I think Christians are asking everywhere. And maybe it's a question at least that we should be asking. In a world that's so crazy divided, Knowing I'm called to love, but I'm also, I got some opinions. I'm like you. I got some strong opinions. I'm passionate about some things where I want to see our world change. So how can I fight for justice and stand up for what I think is right in this world, 
and be known as someone who loves even those that disagree with me. See, that's where the line gets, right? So with that being the case, 2020, what do I do? What do I say? What do I post? And we're going to read a story that is very, very familiar, but I'm not sure if it's familiar for the right reasons. And, and we're going to talk about some things that might have been overlooked, maybe as you've heard it before. But I know that, that oftentimes I hear people say, you know, the, the Bible's great, but, you know, times are just different, right? Um, they didn't really understand what we were going through. They didn't understand our pressures. You know, it's, it's got some good history in it. And maybe some good folklore, and you know, Jesus is a great man and teacher, some good principles, but like you can't read it and really apply those truths to our situation today because they just wouldn't understand what we go through today. I couldn't disagree more. And especially the subject matter that we're talking about today in the passage we're looking at today. Luke chapter 10 was written around 2,000 years ago. We know that. We have enough physical manuscripts and physical evidence to prove the accuracy of what we're reading today lines up with what was written then. And, and, and in this time in the world, they understood political division. In fact, they understood political division in a way that we can't hardly fathom. Like for us, we're like, oh my gosh, you should have seen it. It was Trump versus Hillary. It was crazy. <laughs> and they're like, really? That, that, that's, your, that's your big drama? That's your political division. They were living in a world that Rome controlled. Rome controlled them politically. And so in the Jewish people, there would be people that would side with Rome and they would become tax collectors and they'd actually start taking money from their own friends and family and giving it to the Roman Empire to keep oppressing their people. And, and maybe you remember a guy named Matthew, one of Jesus' followers. That's where he came from. So they're, they're aligned with Rome politically. Then there are Jewish people on the opposite end of the spectrum. They would be called Jewish zealots. And they're having meetings in their basement once a week about how to assassinate political figures. Okay? Political division. But it's worse. About 70, 71 years before Jesus was born, some, some, some of the Jewish people said, nah, we're not taking this political oppression. We're going to fight back against Rome. And Rome said, I'm going to show you what happens when you mess with us politically. And they crucified. Just try and picture this for just a second. I'm talking through the nails through the wrists and nails through the feet and hung in the most excruciating and humiliating form of execution known to man at the time. They crucified somewhere around 6,000 men, women, and children. And they hung their dead bodies on a 124-mile stretch of road. Nobody's doing 65 down that road. If you got to get from here to there, you're walking and probably pulling animals with you. Do you know how many day after day after day after day after day you walk down a road with the stench and the unbelievable sight of dead humans hanging on each side of you for 124 miles? That's what happens when we disagree politically with Rome. They would look at our political division and drama and laugh. They knew political division like we can't even understand. And you want to talk about racial tension. This story is about Jewish people and Samaritan people, and they were different races, and they hated each other. And they were having no, let's have racial restoration talks around the country. They hated each other. They avoided each other. Jews would use the word Samaritan like a cuss word. Jews would, wouldn't even go through Samaria. 
They didn't even pretend to be politically correct. They would go to church. Jewish people would go to church and pray out loud in public, God, please do not answer the Samaritans' prayers. Please do not forgive their sins because we want them to go to hell. Out loud public praying like that. You want to talk about some racial tension? They understood it. They understood what it's like to disagree on every current event imaginable. And so a guy comes up to Jesus a guy who, like everybody today, just wants to be right. I'm just right. What I think is right. And this is where you should be politically. If you're not, you're wrong. And this is where you should stand on the race issue. And if you're not, you're wrong. And this is what you should think about the pandemic. And if you don't, you're wrong. That's how we feel. This guy wants to be right. In fact, he's an expert in being right. He's a lawyer. He's an expert in the law. And he comes to Jesus and he says, I need to know what to do and say And if he'd have had IG, he'd have said post. Luke 10, we're going to start in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. And so he, teacher, he asked, notice this. He's about to ask a question, but he doesn't really want to listen to the answer. I'm just testing you. I'm going to ask it because it's the right thing to do, but I'm not actually listening to your answer. I've already prejudged what you should say and what makes sense for you to say. So I'm asking, but I'm not really listening. Let me tell you something, church. If we're going to ever be a part of racial restoration in this world, we got to start doing life with some people who don't look like us, vote like us, and believe like us. Ask some questions and actually sit there and listen and take it in. Let me learn about your life. Let me learn what you've been through. Let me hear about your pain. Let me live your experience. We can't go do the right thing and ask questions and then not be listening. We've got to listen better. Side note. All right. He stands up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus already knows his motives, so he's not going to entertain this. Well, what's written in the law? You're an expert, you know? How do you read it? Next. Got to be quicker. Got to be quicker. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, that's way better. (laughs) You have answered correctly, expert in the law. Jesus replied, go do this and you will live. But he wants to justify himself. He wants to justify his words. He wants to justify his actions. I want to make sure everybody knows I'm right. What I say is right. What I do is right. So now let me take it a step further. Okay, Mr. Spiritual Guy, I want to make sure what I do, what do I do? What do I say? What do I post? I'm justifying my actions. Who's my neighbor? Like, what do I really got to do to be right? Jesus goes, all right, sit down. I'm going to tell a story. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and they would understand already this is a Jewish man because of this road, when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest, one of those church guys, happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. The church guy didn't do anything. So to a Levite, there's another guy that would pride himself in knowledge of the law and spirituality. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, 
And everybody listening went, whoa, uh-uh, no, you did not. We don't even say that word. But a Samaritan, someone of a different race that most of you hate in your hearts. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert replies, doesn't even want to say, his, doesn't even want to say the word Samaritan. Uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the one who had mercy on him? Jesus goes, mm-hmm. You want to know what to do, what to say, and what to post? Go do that. That's what he said. That's his answer. I'm not going to give you a line. I'm not going to tell you what to type. I'm not going to give you a chore. I'm going to teach you how to live. You want to build my kingdom? Spend less time trying to be right and more time looking to cross this invisible line or break through this invisible wall that you've put up your entire life that says, I just do life with people who look like me and vote like me and believe like me and cross this invisible line and go on purpose, find somebody who doesn't look like you, who doesn't vote like you and who doesn't believe in you and show them love and will change the world. That's what it looks like to be part of my kingdom. And I know it's, that's a good thing to clap about at church, but the truth is there's still something inside of us. I know because I've been dealing with it all week that still rises up and goes, yeah, but. How am I going to change the world just loving everybody? Like I'm a part of a mission right now. I got a mission on my heart. I got some things I want this world to see and to feel and to experience. I want to be a part of change. How am I going to get that done just cuddling with everybody? It's true. Right? I got to fight. And besides, I'm right. And the people that don't agree with me on this very important topic, they're just wrong. And we need to call them out in public. There's so many Christians right now that feel like it's actually your duty to publicly humiliate everybody who disagrees with you. But you got a savior saying, I'd rather you build a kingdom based on love even the ones you don't disagree with or don't agree with. John chapter eight, we're going to skip this verse for time. John chapter eight, I want you to read it on your own this week. I promise you just and ask God, say, God, um, help me to understand how to handle my social media and read John chapter eight. There's a woman that is caught in the act of adultery. And so these real spiritual guys, they, they, they bring her, <clears throat> they, don't, they don't take her to a side room and like sit her down and go, man, I love you and I care about you and I feel like you're stepping in, in the wrong direction here and I want to help. No, 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 no. They, they, they want to post this. They want to take her to the middle of town and they want everybody to see her humiliated. They want everybody to see her at her lowest. She might be naked. She might have a sheet wrapped around her. We don't know. They take her to the middle of town they're holding these stones because they want to kill her. They want to destroy her publicly. And they say, hey, Jesus, 
You make the call. Because the Old Testament law says, you do what she did, you get stoned to death. And here we are, we got her in public, and we're ready to rip her apart in public. We're ready to destroy her in public. And Jesus steps up, and he says, you're going to have to go through me to do it. And he uses his words to protect this woman. Technically, they were right. According to the law, they were right. But Jesus said, I don't care if you're right. That's not how my kingdom works. We don't destroy people publicly and feel good about it. We don't humiliate and demean and insult and judge people publicly and think we're doing some kingdom work. My kingdom, we lead with love. He uses his words to protect her. And see, it's interesting to me because I read that this week and all I could think about was social media because I feel like that's what we do. If you disagree with me, I'm going to hit social media and I'm going to try to destroy you publicly. And our stones are phones. And I'm going to use my phone to try to destroy you publicly and judge you publicly and humiliate you publicly and hurt you publicly. The Bible talks about the power of our words. And it says there's the, the power of life and death is in our tongues. And I think if we were to get that verse in 2020, God would have added the power of life and death is not just in your tongues. It's also in your thumbs because that's how we're getting our words to people. And we're holding these phones and we're treating them like stones and we're ready to throw them and start destroying people publicly. And I believe God's asking the church to start putting down some stones and start using our words to protect some people. And he's not skirting the issue. He protects her. They leave. He speaks life into her. He says, I don't, I don't condemn you. That's not why I came. I believe in you. He speaks life into her. And then when they're by themselves and they have built a relationship now where she knows he loves me. He protected me. He served me. He sacrificed for me. He was generous for me. He had my back. Out of that loving relationship, now he speaks truth. I want to challenge the way you think. I want to challenge the way you live. I think there's a better way. Can I share truth with you? And she receives it. We cast insults publicly, humiliate people publicly at the same time we speak truth, and we wonder why nobody receives it. I mean, when's the last time anyone ever actually came to the other side of the fence because you insulted them on social media? When's the last time somebody far-right Republican, as conservative as they come, and you hit them with a real insulting meme, and they went, you know what? I think I'll be a Democrat. <laughs> but somehow we've turned this into our, our biggest weapon that we think is going to bring change. And Jesus said, you're leading with insults and judgment, but if you'd lead with love and you'd build a relationship and start to listen to somebody who doesn't look like you and vote like you and believe like you, there will be a window of time to share some truth and lives can be changed this way. This is how my kingdom gets built. I was talking to a couple this week and uh, actually it was maybe a couple weeks ago, but I don't remember there's a couple and I love them and the wife, she's spicy. And she was actually telling me about there's a current event, a hot topic, and she saw someone post and it made her blood boil and we all know what that feels like. And so she got out her stone, her phone, and she went, I'll get them. I'll get them. And went off. Witty, smart, funny, insulting, judging, 
condemning. And her husband was like, no, babe. He goes, babe, honestly, you need a PR person. And, and, and I've been thinking about that conversation ever since we had it, and I'm like, so do I. And the truth is, so do you. What's a PR person do for us? In times of chaos, a PR person will help you know what to do and what to say and what to post, won't they? That's what a PR person will do for you. And all of a sudden, it hit me. We have one. And it's luckily for us, it's the creator of the universe who created us and communication. Listen to what he says. And, and I know this is a little bit of a longer passage, but, but I know we can do it. Listen, it's 13 verses. I timed myself this morning reading it. It might take me a little longer right now because I'm going to make some comments. I timed myself reading it. I am by no means a speed reader. It took me less than 90 seconds this morning. If you really want God's opinion on what to do, to say, and to post, filter it through this PR instrument that he has given us called the Word of God. That next tough talk, man, I gotta have a tough talk with somebody and I gotta tell them my truth, okay? Filter it through this first. Somebody put up something on social media that's making my blood boil and I gotta say something, okay? Filter it through this first. I want to fight for justice. I want to make a difference. I know social media is a way to help do that. I want to post something. Okay, great. That may be what God's calling you to do. Filter it through this first. All right? I'm going to read 13 verses. And you want to talk about some PR from the creator of the universe that will guide you in what I do and what I say and what I post. The section in my Bible is titled, ironically, Love in Action. I'm supposed to be known as someone who loves, as a Jesus follower. And then Paul's telling his friends, if you want to put that love in action, if you want to know what to do, say, and post, read this. Romans 12, 9 through 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. I got to say something, okay? But just make sure you're devoted to one another in love before you do. Can you honor one another above yourselves? Because what we do is, is we feel so justified in my rightness, I just look down at everybody else. And he says, that's okay, but if you want to build my kingdom, start putting everybody else one step above you on the ladder. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal. Oh, I'm so glad he put this in here because I was getting mad even trying to put this message together because I'm like, what? Am I supposed to just, because I'm a Christian, I'm just an eternal wuss? I just gotta be a wimp? I can't actually have some passion and fight for something that I believe in? Paul says, don't you dare lose that zeal. God gave you that zeal. Take that zeal, turn around, and love God with it, and love some people with it, and let's change the world together. Don't you dare lose that zeal. And it hit me this week. Anybody can argue on social media. Anybody can gossip about people they disagree with behind their backs. It takes some real strength, some real courage, some real guts to do it God's way. He says, don't you dare lose that zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor, but just serve God with it. Build my kingdom with it. Be joyful in hope. Be patient when you hurt. Be faithful in praying. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice being really, really kind to people. 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Just read that verse and it'll stop a lot of posts. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Stop being conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, if it's at all possible, as far as it depends on you, you can't control what they do, but you can darn sure control what you do. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends. Leave room for God's wrath. He'll defend you. You don't have to defend yourself. He's a big God. It is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. (laughs) If your enemy is thirsty, stop judging him. Stop trying to be right. Stop trying to publicly humiliate him to death. And give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Without my commentary, I promise you, you can read that less than 90 seconds. And then you don't have to wonder anymore. What should I do? What should I say? What should I post? When you're passionate, don't you dare lose that passion. Say, God, help me to take this passion and turn it into serving you and building your kingdom. And so help me to do what cowards can never do. Help me to do what takes actual guts and do this thing your way. In the midst of all the emotions I'm feeling right now. Band, you can come up. I want to close with a story. Because again, I couldn't help but thinking, the whole time I'm putting this message together, I couldn't help but thinking, like, God, I get it, but it sounds real flowery. And I got some passion inside of me on some issues right now. And I'm just not sure your way is gonna get it done quick enough. Let's be honest, we feel that. Like, if I don't start fighting some people and knocking some people down a few levels, who are just flat out wrong on some things, how are we gonna get this done? And here's what I've learned, that if your passion is God-given, you build his kingdom, you lead with love instead of insults and judgment, and he will push your passion forward, he will elevate your influence in a way you never could on your own. One more last Hydration, before I tell you this story. If this is your church, you know that uh, last summer I took some time off work because I couldn't get anxiety under control and I started having a bunch of panic attacks and I took several months off work and I went to several weeks of counseling for anxiety and when it all started, I was trying to get to Alabama to see my pastor. The problem is, is every time I got on a plane, I started having a panic attack and started getting real claustrophobic. And so we were in Dallas getting a connection and they got out on the runway and I had a panic attack and the pilot was like, I ain't going up in the air with this dude. And so they took the plane back to the gate and they kicked me and Jill off the plane. And they said, you can try again in six hours. I'm like, I gotta get to Alabama. They're like, you can try again in six hours. And I was utterly humiliated. I mean, talk about being at an all time low. Like I just gave my guns away to a friend because I wasn't sure I could trust myself. I just took time off work. I'm going to counseling. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to have life figured out all time low. And now I'm stuck in an airport in Dallas and I don't even know if I can get to where I want to go. 
Well, I fall asleep because my body was just exhausted from all the panic and panic attacks and claustrophobia and all this. I fall asleep and I wake up and who's standing in front of me but Pastor Jimmy Rollins. Now, if you don't know Pastor Jimmy, he's a great friend of mine. He's an African-American pastor in Baltimore and he's also part of this church family. He'll be speaking here in a couple weeks. See, Jill, Jimmy called Jill when I was in the airport, either freaking out or sleeping, I don't know which. And Jill said, well, we're in Dallas and we're stuck in an airport and they won't let Sean back on the plane. And Jimmy said, well, I'm on the other side of the country and I have some travel plans, but I'm canceling them right now and I'm buying a ticket to Dallas. And before I woke up from my nap, he flew across the country and met me in Dallas. And I woke up and I was like, what are you doing here? He said, I just came to help you get on the airplane. He said, and I also bought a ticket to Birmingham, so I'm flying with you. And he put his arm around me. He said, we got this. Let's go get on a plane. And his wife was in Baltimore and also had life plans, but she canceled them all and went to the airport and bought a one-way ticket to Birmingham. And we got to Alabama, and me and Jill had dinner with our friends, and they said, we just, just wanted to be with you tonight, tell you we believe in you, and tell you we got you. Now, Jimmy has this grace on his life. I believe God is using him in huge ways to bring racial restoration to our world. He has this unbelievable ability to build bridges where, where a lot of people just burn them. Now, if two years ago, Jimmy would have got in my DMs and been like, hey, I don't think Red Rocks is doing enough to fight racial injustice. Maybe he could have even called me a racist or whatever anyone else calls you and does and says and all this stuff on social media. If I would have even looked at it, I would have deleted it. I don't argue on social media like that. I'm just not going to do it. I have a couple times and I've regretted it and I've been like, I'm just not. God could be my defender. I would have ignored it or I wouldn't have seen it and he never would have had anything to do with this church. But he didn't lead with insults and judgment. He crossed this invisible line of race and he said, I'm going to go to a guy who doesn't look like me who doesn't understand me, who doesn't understand my upbringing, who doesn't understand my pain, who doesn't understand what I've been through, who doesn't understand the hurt I experienced because of racism. He doesn't understand any of that stuff, but I'm going to go to him anyways, and I'm just going to love him. Because of that, we've become really good friends. Last month, Pastor Jimmy started the first of what will be many talks on, as Michael Scott would say, diversity training for our staff. Because we're going to be a church that makes a difference. We may be a predominantly white staff in a predominantly white city right now, but we're going to make a difference in this world because somebody's got to say something. And just this year, Jimmy preached, and his whole message was, Red Rocks, I know you're currently a predominantly white church, and I want to tell you how you can be a part of changing the world. And that message went to over 140 countries around the world. And what he's passionate about is being pushed forward by God in ways he never could have dreamed possible, could have never manufactured on his own. 
because he led with love and not judgment and insults, God says, that's how I build my kingdom. If you'll be the kind of people that'll get out of your comfortable huddles and on purpose, go do life with somebody who doesn't look like you, vote like you, live like you, believe like you, act like you, and go love and go listen and go serve and go help and get in some real conversations. And when the time is right, challenge each other and a little iron sharpens iron and we'll change the world. And we don't have to do it the way everybody else in the world does. We can do it by walking and talking and living and posting with heaven in mind and bring a kingdom culture to this world. Somebody say amen. Let's pray. God, we need you. Every single one of us will deal with this. Every single person listening or watching right now will deal with this dilemma. Because of the world we live in, what do we do? What do we say? How do we act? What do I post? How do I respond? How do I handle this situation? Because I have opinions. I have passions. What do I do, God? And God, I pray that more than ever, that Jesus' followers would actually be that city on a hill that light to the rest of the world that says you could do it differently. You can lead with love. You could cross racial boundaries and political boundaries and faith boundaries. You could do life with people who disagree with you and you can do it in love and together we can change the world. And I pray God that we would see that happen in our lifetime. With everyone's eyes closed at every location, I wanna ask two questions as I close. The first question is this. You don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you heard me talk about it at the beginning, and the good news of what Jesus did for you and me when he died on that cross to pay the price for our sins, and you're like, I've never taken him up on that offer. I need to repent of my sins today. I need to ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life because I want his spirit to live within me. I want my sins to be forgiven and I want heaven forever. And if that's you and you know this is your moment for that decision, no matter where you're at right now, physically raise your hand. No matter who's watching, physically raise your hand. If you're at a uh, computer or a phone or something and, and if you're watching a live service, you can hit raise a hand underneath this video. And someone's gonna get in touch with you and someone's gonna pray for you and someone's gonna get you some free resources. And we're gonna help you on this journey. Don't let this moment pass you by. Raise your hand. God, I need you. I need to repent of my sins. I want to put my faith in you. I want heaven forever. Let's go. And the second question is this. You, you, you've, you've already done that. You're a Christ follower. But the truth is you have felt this tension that I'm talking about. And today you say, God, you know my situation. You know my passions. And you know the situation in the world around me. And today you say, God, I'm asking for your help and your involvement in what I do and what I say and what I post because I want to create a kingdom culture in my world. If that's you, raise your hand and we're going to agree together that God's going to begin building an army of people who are going to create a kingdom culture on this earth. God, I thank you for what you're doing. I pray, God, that guilt would not be the, the, the theme right now. That if anyone's feeling guilt because of anything they've done, said, or posted, that we can get rid of that right now. That you would say to them the same thing you said to the woman caught in adultery. Neither do I condemn you. But now let's go change the world together. Let's start fresh. Let's start leading with love, not judgment. Let's start leading with service, not insults. 
God, help us to be people that really can be a really good representative for the light that we have inside of us. And help us to take this, this spirit of yours that lives within us and help us to begin causing a real change everywhere we go and everyone we meet in our world that you've placed us in. Help us to make a difference so people will put their attention on you. More people will go to heaven. Heaven gets more crowded. And that's why we're doing this in the first place. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you get on your feet? Let's worship.